Happy New Year. 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 New New Year. New New. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Happy Tuesday. Good to see all of you here today. Welcome to the JB Font channel. I am your host, James Font. Laurie, it's so good to see all of you joining me at the beginning of 2023. The JB Font show is also available on all major podcast platforms like Anchor, Apple, and Spotify podcasts, so you can subscribe to me there. I'm also part of the Revolutionary Blackout Network, so you can catch me on the JB show on Sundays at 1, on RBN Live on Tuesdays at 4, and the Sabby and JB show on Thursdays at 6. I want you to make sure to give yourself some time to take that thumb and press down that like button. Just lets me know that I'm doing a good job. Also, it shows and puts my show out there for more people to see. That's also very important because guess what? The algorithm really doesn't like us. And I got a couple things to disclose about YouTube too, which kind of irks me, but we'll get into that in a minute. But I just want to say hello to all of you as well as to everybody who is watching, who is subscribed, thank you. Also to people who are patrons on Patreon, Coffee, also members, and anybody who sends me any type of mutual aid via various platforms, I also thank you and appreciate you so much. It is so good to see everybody here. I am ready to go. This is going to be a great show. I got my tea. Yeah, it, ooh, it's hot, too. Mm -mm. Oh, that's hot. I'm going to have to spoon this one. Oh. But it's good. It's good. All right. So, as per usual, on my typical shows, I like to give a hello and a shout out to everybody that's in the chat as well. So, we're going to start off with Rockfin today. Because I, 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 I like to do things a little bit differently. So, we're going to start off with Rockfin. Let's just say my hellos when I say hello, hello, hello. How's the sound, by the way? Is the sound good? I hope so. I changed the sound setting a little bit. So hopefully, you know, because I've been having some complaints about the sound, especially when I do my readings for some reason. I don't know why. It's, it's weird. But this thing is still taking time. Uh-oh. I'll go back to that in a second. Let me... Oh, that's probably why. Got too much bandwidth going on. You don't need all that. Take that down. Take that down, too. All right. Got it. I had to make sure that I did it right. All right. So, good to see you. Rory O'Neill is in the chat saying, happy Tuesday, JB. Good to see you, Rory. Nice to have you. All right. Who else do we got in the chat? All right. Next up in the chat, we have hello, saying hello. CBC Voter is also in the chat saying, happy Tuesday, JB. Good to see you, CBC Voter. Then we have JM, who is also a JB member, giving a thumbs up. Good to see you, J. 
JM. I almost called you JB. <laughs> Zach Davis is also in the house saying, hey, JB, happy new year. I wish you the best health and abundance this year. Thank you so very much. That's really sweet of you. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, I, I'm trying to make this year as positive as possibly as I possibly can because there was a lot going on last year and a lot of people, not just myself, were going through a lot. And I think it's very important that we try to stay as positive as we can because we're, we're fighting for a positive future, right? And one of the things is a, a lot of times we talk about the issues that surround our socioeconomic status, foreign policy, domestic policy, things like that, which can be a damper on us. But I think it's important to also convey that hope that we have for the future. And the fact is, is that we all want it. And we know a lot of other people want it. They just don't realize the power that they have. But we're, we're working on that, right? That's what we're doing. We're telling people what power they have and the fact that they can have nice things. It just won't be limited to just the people at the top. So this message is going to resonate with people. We just have to get more people to hear it. And so that's one of the reasons why I asked, did you like the stream? Because this means that the algorithm is going to put it out there. They're going to see that. And then people are going to be more privy to this message. Because unfortunately, we've had a lot of propaganda, a.k.a. brainwashing, happening to people all over this country, all over this world, really. And so because of that, this is why this message needs to be put out there so that it can resonate with them. And then they can be more moved to action, so to speak. You know what I mean? So good to see you. Where Pilgrim, Wadi is in the house saying, hey, everybody. Hey, Wadi. All right. We have extra booyah. Uncle Warren's in the chat says, sounds good, bud. Happy New Year, fam. Thank you. Thank you so very much for that sound check. Yipper99 is also up in the chat saying, hi, everybody. Dr. Nick's voice. Hey, everybody. <laughs> All right. Creative Experiments is also in here saying, always a good stream. Thank you so much, Creative Experiments. That actually means a lot when people say things like that because I get that imposter syndrome in my head, right? I get that that doubt in my head, like, should you really be doing this, JB? Maybe leave this up to people who are better, you know, but you guys are always giving me more confidence and helping me to realize that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So thank you so very much. All right. Bryce is in the house saying happy new years, everyone. Good to see you, Bryce. All right. Who else is up in here? Okay. So what we're going to do is more people will pour, pour in over the next few minutes. But as uh, one of the things that I wanted to talk about was uh, just two things. So I sometimes go on either YouTube shorts or TikTok, and I come across videos that pique my interest. And I kind of want to talk about these things and expound on them a little bit. And the the expanding of these points that I want to make is based on factual or data that I've seen. It's also based on anecdotal evidence that I've experienced personally, as well as evidence, anecdotal evidence that was relayed to me by others in their experiences as well. And so a lot of times the 
information that's conveyed either on YouTube shorts or it's on TikTok, a lot of times what ends up happening is people will, will confirm through either data that they researched or realized, or they may have questions. And the answers are a lot more, they're a lot more simpler than people realize. And I think that's something that people need to re, need to come to realize is that a lot of times they just don't, they don't think it's as simple as it really is. Like for instance, you'll get some people who are conspiracy theorists, conspiracy theorists, who will think these extremely nefarious or almost metaphysical type of belief system and that they are doing these metaphysical type things in order to control the world. When really, it's just greed and capitalism, right? And so a lot of times, a lot of people will get to the point where they think, oh, man, well, these people have this secret evil agenda. And it's like, yeah, it's just greed. It's just greed and capitalism. That's pretty much what it is. And and I'm, some people may be like, well, that's the thing. I think it's an oversimplification. And it's like, no, not really. It's not really an oversimplification. I can't talk today. An oversimplification is really humans are not that complex. I think some of these people who are at the top, I think we give them, I think we give them more nefarious credit than they deserve. They're just a bunch of greedy people. Now, by the way, I also got to say this. I almost cussed. You didn't tell, but I almost did. I can no longer cuss on my channel. Why? Because according to the new terms of service for YouTube, any type of cursing at all will get you demonetized. So if you notice that my language is a lot more cleaned up than it usually is, it's because I don't want to get demonetized. And so a lot of us who are content creators, especially those of us in the independent left who are on here on YouTube, we you're going to notice a lot of us cursing a lot less. Now, that's great, especially if you're around with more sensitive ears. But if you're just wondering why, you know, why are they not cursing? If you know, start to notice that, it's because the new terms of service now updated. It updated Sunday that cursing any type of curse word, the A word, the F word, the S word, the B word, C word, D word, N word. Those words. Yeah. Mm -mm. So you guys notice me doing this. You guys notice me clean up my language a lot on RBN or on interviews. I also will clean up my language for interviews too, because I don't want to get people who also have shows on, you know, on YouTube. I don't want them to get demonetized because of a, something that a guest says. So, 
just to let you guys know that. But unfortunately, that's the way it goes with the powers that be. They just want to own everything. That's basically what it is. Anyway, so uh, one of the things that I wanted to go to first was there was a couple of videos that came across my view. And it really, it, it more puts more of a point on the things that are in my head. And I'm wondering if it puts more of a point on the things inside your head. What some of these people on these different videos say, and it really goes in line with socioeconomic status, things like that. And I just want to get your views on it. I want to get your opinions on it. So after this first video, I'm going to go to the chat and I'm going to ask you guys what your thoughts are on what this young lady says. I'm going to go to the first video and then we'll go on to the next one. I think I have three. Yeah, I have three. So, but we'll get to that really quick. So let me share my screen really quick. Hang on. Let me make sure. Okay. I just want to make sure that I get past the part where she's cursing because I got to be careful even when in videos that I'm playing if they curse. So hang on, let me make sure. Okay. Hang on. I'm just trying to get past. I have to. I just have to make sure that I'm not that I get past the part where she curses because she curses a couple of times in the front in the beginning. And if I and if I share that part, then guess what? <laughs> it is it for me. So I'm gonna share this really quick and let's get to it. Boom. Torture. In this class, we were told that when a country refuses to provide the basic needs for their citizens, meaning adequate food, housing, and health care, they are torturing their citizens. It becomes political torture. And if someone's being tortured, what are they going to do? They're going to try to fight their way out, or they're going to lay down and, if you know what I mean. This country is putting people in survival mode more and more every single day. The amount of wealth that some of these people have out here, and you see all these other people on the street, even though all these houses are empty, I'm not putting the blame on the people. It is these big corporations' fault for not hiring a good prevention loss, people. Y'all suck! I shouldn't be able to walk in any store and point y'all out in under, like, three minutes. This country does such a good job at brainwashing us uh, to the point where people feel like it's our responsibility to not get fucked over. When See? It slipped. Damn. Yeah, so she says when we're not the ones effing ourselves over. And the, the, the primary point is, and I got to be, God, this is so annoying, but I have to be very careful. And so, soundboard with bleep. 
I wish, you know, I that's that's money I don't have to spend right now, unfortunately. But hopefully someday. But what are you your thoughts about that? Especially regarding how it's political torture. Because excuse me. The part about political torture denying us a lot of these things that are necessary. Like, what point is there to have life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness if you're gatekeeped from the provisions that give us life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? What is the point? Like, for instance, I have to pay a water bill every single month for utilities. So I have to pay electric and water in this household. Why in the world am I paying for water? If I go seven to eight days without it, I die. Why, why do I have to pay for it? Now, you'll have some apartment communities that will say, okay, water is included in the rent, things like that. Technically, you're still paying for water. Like, I can get it if you're paying it out of your taxes, right? If it's paid out through taxes, then fine. But why am I having to come out of pocket each month for water? Life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. How in the world, why it? Why is there, because that thing is that life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness always has an asterisk by it. Whereas life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, but you have to spend money in order to have that right. And here's the problem. The thing about rights is there if there is a barrier financially to having them, when is it stop being a right and becomes a privilege? Like, does that make sense? That, am, am I crazy? Because it's just like, and I'm not saying like filet mignon and, and caviar should be, we should have a right to things like that. And that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying like the basic things, milk, eggs, bread, grains, fruit, vegetables, water. A simple roof over your head, you know, with a simple kitchen, bathroom, you know. And then here's the crazy part. We have these billionaires that are basically living off subsidies, right? They get these subsidies and then they also steal the wealth of, uh, of workers. And basically they're living high off the hog for free. But they have so much excess to the point 
where they could do that for all of us. We don't have to, we shouldn't have to worry about these things. Like there should be a, a standard of living amongst everybody. But somehow people are assume that with being lazy. And it's like, yeah, if you want extra, okay, yeah, fine. You know, you have a job, you work for it. Okay, fool. But I'll put it to you this way. Anything of anything that's considered affordable in an absolute means is free. Anything that's considered affordable where it's a certain price is not absolute. It's relative to whom it's affordable to. A brand new Cadillac, a brand new Cadillac CTS is affordable to a millionaire. A Maybach is affordable to a millionaire or a billionaire. Affordable is subjective, right? And so let's say you have, and so some people will say, well, that's what food stamps are for. But then you have some people where it's like, okay, yeah, they get food stamps, but then their rent sky high. But then they say, well, let's go, go for Section 8 or housing assistance. But what good is it if the Section 8 or housing assistance, if their line is so long, if their waiting list is so long, you can't even get in? And so then you end up on the street. So then what? What about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? What about it? What life? What liberty? What pursuit of happiness? The J mom says, thank God it's not gas too. We don't have, there's not a lot of places here in Florida that have gas lines. There's a few, but not a lot. But we, like when it comes to heating and cooking and drying your clothes, it's mostly just electricity. We just use electric here. But yeah, gas, you also have to pay. Yeah. Creative Experiment says, I wish they taught me how to apply for unemployment in school. Yeah, they don't teach us that. Where he says, that was always a word we gravitated toward in French. Emerson, no, we weren't cursing. We were just learning. <laughs> SG says it's called ration in some countries. Basic things is given to all. And here's, you know what the funny part is? A lot of times you'll have a lot of people who are anti-socialists or anti-communists that will say, oh my God, they're rationing. And what they don't realize is there are some countries where they're going through a lot. And so to make sure that people don't die, they ration so that 
Because some people will be like, well, it's my right to hoard the food. And it's like, no, 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 no. Not when it's at the cost of lives of other people. No, you're not going to hoard all the food at the cost of other people's lives. No, you're not. That to me is, is akin to murder. It's like, okay, so I'm going to call the herd by shooting and gunning down a bunch of people so that we can have more. Okay, so that's bad. But then denying them food because you feel it's your right to have more than everybody else, that's okay? Is that, is, am I getting that right? I have a right to have more food than anybody else because I have all this money that I hoarded from everybody. What? There comes a point where, I'll put it this way. A friend of mine told me this years ago. This is when I was deeply religious, but he said this quote, and I will never forget it. True freedom means you do not encroach upon the rights of others. I'm going to say it again. True freedom means you don't encroach upon the rights of others. If you're right, right, to hoard wealth, to hoard food, to hoard resources away from people so that if they don't have it, they can suffer and die, that's not freedom. Now you're encroaching upon the rights of people for life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. So if you're going to do that, then guess what? That's criminal. To me, that's akin to taking an AR-15 and shooting a bunch of people in the head. Because now you're encroaching upon their right to life. You're hoarding of their water, their food, their housing, their education. That is encroaching upon their rights. Some of the biggest criminals in our history are the Vanderbilts, the Morgans, the... The Waltons, the Bezos, the Musks, these are some of the biggest criminals in history because they're literally, literally encroaching upon your rights. And there's 600 plus more people that are in the billionaire status, and then there are thousands more in the 100 millionaire status, and all those other people that are literally encroaching upon your rights. And people will scoff and look at me and go, well, they earned it. No, they did not. They did not work that much in order to earn that much more than you. <laughs> Good to see you, FX. <laughs> Creative Experiment says we deserve free stuff, but we're told we don't. Look, if capitalists had their way, they would charge you for the air you breathe. Each breath costs 50 cents. <gasps> 50. A dollar. A dollar fifty. Two dollars. If they could, they would do that. That's how capitalism works. Good to see a reality revolution. Reality says, I declare world peace. Happy New Year. <laughs> Good to see you, Reality. All right.
Jenna Colby says so much ish that is not okay allowed to pass in a normal standard. So sick of the normalizing of horrors. Absolutely, I agree. Good to see you, gamer. Gamers also up in the chat. Good to see you today. SG says, Section 8 is a joke. I don't qualify since the income level to get it is higher than what I earn. Yeah. And I said this before, and I'll say it again. In this country, in this nation, you have to make around $25 an hour and up in order to have what we like to call a living wage, right? $25 an hour, and that's working full-time. By that logic, then if you make, give or take, $55,000 a year or less, I consider you in poverty. I do. Mm -hmm. I consider that poverty. Because you cannot make less than that in over 90% of the counties in this nation and survive. You can't. And so for people to sit here and hand-wring about nobody wants to work anymore. No, we want to work. We just don't want to work for slave wages. We want to earn our surplus labor. And like someone said earlier, I think it was uh, in a TikTok I was watching. Yeah. They're literally taking, because they aren't paying people a living wage, they're taking the living expenses of those of us that are poor and putting it on us, on, on the taxpayers. They're putting it on our government. So guess what? If they're already doing that, if we're already paying for it, we might as well do it for everybody then. If not that, then guess what? Then take these co corporations, make them all co-ops. Except for the most essential ones, like the healthcare industry, the fossil fuel slash energy industry, transportation industry, I think should be nationalized. But other than that, yeah, worker co-ops, make them all worker owned. Because people, man, people are suffering. And it's a systemic problem, not a individual problem. Reality, re ooh, bar is reality. Happiness requires your children to be fed. I'll add on to what you said. What good is ending child poverty if you don't end poverty in general? Because the parents also need to be fed too. Also, why do we care less about people after they turn 18? 
I think that the value of a human being is the value of a human being. Chris Hayes says most Americans are okay with their government stealing oil and killing brown kids as long as gas prices are low and there is a constant supply of cheeseburgers at their local McDonald's. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say that most are okay with it. I think they are propagandized or brainwashed to think that it's okay because they're told, oh, we're over there to fight the terrorists when the United States is projecting. So they are brainwashed into thinking that it's okay. Some. And I think that's one of the reasons why some people either are that or they're apathetic to what's going on because they're not even paying attention to that because their life is so destitute that they don't even have the mental bandwidth to look at these things. And that's what's sad. They don't, they don't have that. Yeah. Now it's not the time. The presidential elections are coming. <laughs> That's every year, man. They say that every year. I see you, Rick. <laughs> Let me stop. Let me stop. All right. So there's another one that I want to get to. Uh, let's. Shimon. Let me see. I want to go to. Ah, this is in the same line. And I'm going to go to this. Uh, let me see. See, I hate that I can't. Wait, can I scroll back? No. Ah. I hate that. All right. So let me share this really quick. You guys remember the movie, The Princess Bride? Remember the guy that said, inconceivable? Well, he has a few things to say. And I thought this was very interesting. This is hang on to me. All right. Let's go here. This is going to be along the same line of what I was just talking about, but this is also a, a good theme to go with. So let's go. Do you ever think of the utter absurdity and strangeness of the fact that all over the civilized world, the working classes are the poor classes? 
Go into any city in the world and get into a cab and ask the man to drive you where the working people live. He won't take you to where the fine houses are. He will take you, on the contrary, into the squalid quarters, the poorer quarters. Did you ever think how curious that is? Did you ever think of the utter absurdity and strangeness of the fact that all over the civilized world, the working classes are the poor classes? Cheers. Did you hear that? The absurdity that the people who work the most have the have the least. Think about that. The people who work the most have the least. To the people who value justice and fairness, why? If you think that capitalism is the best system that we have, why in the world is it that we have a system where people who work the most have the least? 40% of homeless people work either full-time or part-time. A lot of people who live in poverty who aren't out on the street, they also work. They work very hard. They will work multiple jobs just to keep themselves with a roof over their head and food in their mouths. But they're working long hours. It's extremely hard. And yet, they're the ones living in squalor? What? Sounds to me like Meritocracy is a myth in this system. That's what it sounds like. Because I'll put it to you this way. The sun revolves around the sun the same amount of time as it does for you, as it does for Warren Buffett. The earth rotates the same amount of time as it does for you and I, as it does for Tyler Perry. We have the same amount of days. I'm pretty sure that some of these people who are ultra rich, they get their sleeping because it's healthy. Some maybe get probably between six and eight hours. They probably don't use the bathroom that much more than you and I do. They probably don't take that much more time to eat more than you and I do. And yet, somehow, the amount of money that they get is way higher. And I'm not talking about 10, 15, 20 times. I'm talking about 250, 275, 300 times higher than you. 
They don't have 300 times more hours in a day. They don't have 300 times more weeks in a year. They don't have 300 times more time in a year than you do. They don't have 300 times more energy in their bodies than you do. They don't. So why in the world do they have 300 times more wealth than you? Are they just that much smarter? No, no, TLDR, no. Sorry. So what is it? It's greed. Let's go back. Let's continue. Go into any city in the world and get into a cab and ask the man to drive you where the working people live. Mm -hmm. He won't take you to where the fine houses are. He will take you, on the contrary, into the squalid quarters, the poorer quarters. Did you ever think how curious that is? Right? You know, it's funny. People talk about, oh, we value hard work. But the thing is, the people who actually do the hard work are actually the ones who are the poorest. Hi, welcome to my channel. Have you subscribed yet? I got another one that I'll be showing in a second, but. Let's go. I see what you said, Bryce. I am I am not showing that on screen, but I see what you said. <laughs> Nick O says the Grand Nagas representing for his capitalist sin by reading Henry George. I heard that he's said some pretty base things and believes some pretty base things. So I'm not exactly sure if he um, I don't, I don't think that he, I, I'm getting the impression he might be a class trader. That's basically what I'm trying to say. Rick Solis says, Wallace Shawn is interesting, came from a very rich family, but they were class trading socialists. Oh, oh, conceivable. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah he has a unique voice and you know what it's interesting okay <clears throat> oh excuse me so remember the movie the incredibles right if you guys haven't seen it you guys need to see it it's one of the best pixar movies ever I enjoy it as a 38-year-old man. I still enjoy that movie. It's beautiful. Anyways, and the fact that they took 14 years to do a sequel, that's a that's a crime in itself. But I digress. So, in The Incredibles, there's a part in the beginning, spoilers, where he actually plays the boss of Mr. Incredible in an insurance company. And he basically plays this PMC jerkish type of manager that is worried about the profits of the company instead of the people. And he plays that 
to a T. And of course, he gets his behind handed to him, which is funny in the movie. But the thing is, is that I think he played it so well because if he truly is a type of person that is a class trader, then he was probably reflecting, you know, what he has a disdain for. So that's just a, a little bit of a thing to put out there. But yeah, I, you know, I, I've never really had any issues with anything that he's said or done. But I don't follow him that much, but he seems like a chill guy. So, you know, I, 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 I rock with crap class traders. Bryce says rich people don't talk it well, don't work as much. They just talk. Yeah. Uh, you see, Wadi says, Wada Sean is a character actor who has a long resume. I remember him as Zek, the Grand Nagas, in DS9. The way he admonished Quark was hilarious. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yepek says, I have to abide by Social Security's monetary gainful activity to not lose my benefits because I like many can't work 80 hours a week to get it above water working that much is inhumane same same i have to do the same yeah i remember him being clueless too that was fun it does Interesting. Powdered donut, you say? Is that what we're calling it now? Powdered from powdered donuts? <laughs> mm -hmm. By the way, don't use alcohol wipes to wipe your mouth. Ow. Anyway, so oh wait, he was in Capitalism a Love Story. Have I what? Wait, did I watch that documentary? I may, I don't remember. I'm gonna have to get into that and watch that Capitalism a Love Story. Hmm. Uh, JB, please ask your fellow RBN comrades if we can set up a channel on the Discord to talk about our struggles with welfare and Social Security. I am also struggling with the restrictions. I mean, I can bring it up to them, definitely, about having a channel on Discord to talk about, you know, struggles with Social Security and welfare. My problem is I'm not on Discord hardly. It's like, I have it, but I just don't get on there. Like, I don't know. It's it's like, I'm, it's like there's certain social media apps that I'm like, I just don't get into that much. But yeah, we can definitely, I'll, I'll bring that up to them. Thank you. 
Yeah, it's just the lighting. Yeah. I just got finished eating some fried chicken. <laughs> okay, so there's a next one that I'm going to bring up. Um, and, oh, wait, let me check and see. Okay. Just checking on Rockfin to see if there's anybody else commenting. Okay. So the next one I'm going to show, this is going to be interesting as well. This one was tough. This one made me go, oh, snap. So those of you who are um, those of us who are in our 30s, we may we may have some memories of having being around people who may be special needs growing up. And they're being like just a, they're like limited to or cast off to one side of school, and you rarely ever see them. And then it's like once in a great while you'll see the special needs students. So there's an interesting history with that. And someone on TikTok actually expanded upon it. Let's go. Let me see, make sure. Okay, so I'm going to share my screen really quick. And this guy is pretty cool on TikTok. He shares a lot of good information, basically daily. And he always starts it off with, hey, good morning. So, yeah. All right. So let's go. Oh, you make such a good point. I got to expound on that. Okay, so the comment here he's responded to says, they even do it to their own neurodivergent offspring. If you don't assimilate, you are trashed and rejected. So he's answering that comment. So let's go. <laughs> okay, so what happened was, before the year 1984, black women, women who spoke Hispanic, white women of poor means, and women across the board who had physical disabilities or mental disabilities or challenges. Were systemically and systematically sterilized, forced to live the rest of their life not being able to reproduce. And those with some mental disabilities were lobotomized and then shoved at institutions for the rest of their lives. While children who didn't meet white standards were often euthanized. All that stopped in 1984. By 1994, we had a first generation of kids who had grown up knowing that they were different and had a name for it. They called it ADHD. It's also the first time in world history, well, in American history at least, that women of color weren't systematically sterilized anymore. I'm not saying it doesn't happen anymore. I'm just saying it's not a recommended practice. By 2004, we had our second generation of kids who had grown up not only knowing about their ADHD, but also knowing about their autism and their neurodivergence. And they had the tools to deal with these things. That's just the second generation. By 2014, we had our third generation of kids, the first 
to grow up completely with all the tools they need to handle their, their mental, physical, and emotional differences. Now, here we are in 2022, and there are people saying things like, I've never seen so many autistic people in my life. I've never seen so many neurospicy people. I don't, it's gotta be the vaccines and the food. No, we just quit killing them off. The kids born in 2014 are the first generation of kids to be celebrated openly and unabashedly for their mental, physical, and emotional differences. Oh, you make such a good point. I got to expound. So basically, that's how bad our system was. That the practice of sterilizing and euthanizing people who were who have special needs mentally it stopped the year i was born sad isn't it that we actually were doing things like that and it makes you realize that there are a lot of people who are neurodivergent who says that they did a thing they like to call masking, where they learn to mask themselves so that they won't appear neurodivergent, so then they can blend in with society with the rest of us neurotypicals. When in reality, that was a coping mechanism so that they can survive. I liken it to us Black people code switching in order for us to survive. Now, those of you who are white, you may not know what code switching is. But code switching is basically the way... We, especially a lot of us black people, we will switch up our tone, our language, even our mannerisms, a lot of things in order to be less threatening, more appealing to people, in, especially in white spaces, especially in white professional spaces. And so that code switching happens a lot. And so while we may be with our friends and family more down to earth and chill, we have to dress it up for people who are in the office space, the more professional space, especially for those who are less melanin abundant than the rest of us. So this also happens in a sense with people who are neurodivergent. And the thing is that you have an influx of a lot more people who are coming out as neurodivergent because like the gentleman said, they're not being euthanized anymore. They're not being put away in these 
mental institutions anymore. Now we're we're learning about them and we're adapting and we're seeing that there may not be anything particularly wrong about them. It's just their brain works in a different way than the rest of ours. And so this goes to show that because it's not necessarily profitable to have people who are neurodivergent working for us, they may not be as productive as those of us who are neurotypical. That's the issues that we see with capitalism is the fact that they see them as valueless. They see them as lacking value. So therefore they put them away or they euthanize them. And then they're like out of sight, out of mind. We don't want to see them. When they don't think, they don't realize that people who are neurodivergent also have value. They also are just as valuable as those of us who are neurotypical. And this is the problem with the system is that it sees someone and says that if you can't produce for me, then guess what? You're gone. You don't have value. And one of the beautiful things about the waking up, the that fact that people are becoming more woke, see, I'm using it in a proper form, is that now people are saying, well, no, 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 we can't do this. People have value. We have to learn and find out what's going on with certain people and then adapt so that they can also have a life full of happiness and freedom and have a life full of joy and being able to just live and thrive. That's what it's about. See, socially, we're becoming more progressive. The only problem now is economically, we haven't gotten there yet. But hopefully, as we continue to have these conversations, this is why I say like the stream so that it gets put out there more, then more people will be awakened to, oh, we need to get to the economic aspect of it too. It's just like when everybody was talking about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and they talked about the, the racial aspect about coming together. They always have they always quote the I have a dream speech, right? But they never quote the I have America, I'm sorry, the, the tale of two America speech. They'll always talk about, oh man, black people and white people, we need to come together. They'll always talk about the social aspect. But when it comes to the economic aspect, when Dr. Martin Luther King said, Yeah, we need to come and get our check. Or he talks about yeah, people need to have more economic equity and equality in this country. Everybody wants to overlook that. When he talks about how terrible the capitalist system is, people want to overlook that. So we're moving ahead further on the social aspect, which is good. Because we need to look at people who are neurodivergent. We need to see them with more respect and more dignity. We also need to look at people who are women, both cis and trans, people who are non-binary and femmes and, and masks. We need to look at them with more respect and dignity. Also people who are either immigrants, people who are native born, people who are black, Hispanic, Asian, white, and especially people who are disenfranchised because of this system. 
we need to look at them in a more kinder light. And so because of that, this is one of the things that we're doing. And I think the next wave is a more economic consciousness, which I'm happy about. So, yeah. But that makes a lot of sense to me. Creative Experiment says California was sterilizing prisoners until 2014. Oh, my God. Wow. You guys actually think I look like him? I do. He's got great skin. I need to I need to work on I'm trying to work on my skin regimen. Trying to get mine like his. Jay Burke says, give them the Ritalin uh methylphenidate speed drugs, big pharma solving problems. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of times what they'll do is they'll pump people full of medications. And thing is, is that is neurodivergence a bad thing? Or is it just something that's different that we have to acclimate ourselves to? Different ways of processing information in our minds. Yepex says capitalism contributing to many mental and physical health problems with how poison our food and water is air too. Yeah. Nico says code switching is also important as a first generation immigrant. Ah, thank you for that. Appreciate it. Yeah, we act like you to get the job. That's basically what it is. In order for me to get hired, I can't be myself. I have to act like you. <laughs> Not you, but, you know, I'm just speaking in general. I have to act like you in order to get the job so that you take to me more kindly. Even though I could do the job and I could do it well, but in order for, to, let, to convince you that I can do it, I have to act like you. Because obviously you already have the job. So, of course, you're going to see somebody like yourself and you're going to think that, oh, well, they can do the job. When I don't have to act like you in order to do the job, but I have to in order to get the job. Yepek says, I mask all the time. I have to force myself to do certain things. Wow. That's interesting. Corner Ursa says, demonstrate it and sorry to bother you. Yeah. Wadi says, hearing my mom and sister switch their vocal patterns when on the phone with a stranger, like customer service, is always wild. I probably do it too, but it's easier to notice something happening with others. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I have to do it too. How you doing? This is James Fauntleroy. I'm calling to check on my schedule for this evening. Bryce says, I have to turn the black off. We all stream, we talking crazy and <laughs> kicking it. Yeah. Yeah.
as G says, in some countries, they have reservations for jobs for special needs people. Yes, but at the same time, some of these jobs, they also pay them less than what they should than they pay people who are not special needs or neurotypicals, which is not fair. Because if they can do the job, just like a neurotypical person can, then they should not have a difference in pay. That's not fair. But unfortunately, that's the way it is in this country. Yipper 99 says special ed classes are smaller, which I believe is better. That's also true. But at the same time, I don't think you should be limited to classes with special needs. I think all classes should be all class sizes should be smaller because I literally got take. I almost failed algebra until they put me in a smaller class. I was failing algebra when I was in 10th grade. I think I was failing algebra in 10th grade. They took me out of that class and they saw that I was failing. They put me into a different one with a smaller class. It was supposed to be this new program. I'm like, new program just to put me in a smaller class? Anyway, so they did that. And I went from failing to getting, I think, an A minus in algebra. So it wasn't that I wasn't smart enough to learn it. It's that I needed more personal attention in order to get me to where I needed to go. But yeah, shout out to all my, my people who are neurodivergent. Shout out to all y'all because y'all deal with a lot too. You know. So let me check. Let me check Rockfin really quick. Uh, Fred Edward, good to see you. Says more labels we really do not need. Here's the thing. Unfortunately, I'll put it this way. Labels are important for a classification when applied correctly. See, here's the thing. A lot of times people will say, oh, there's too many labels. I don't like being labeled. And my thing is, um, actually, labels are important because without labels, we would not be able to survive. Stop is a label. Danger is a label. Your name is a label. What we call things is a label. Label is the name that we use for this phone. It's called a phone. It's a label. And so the thing is, when it comes to labels, is, is it being applied by its actual definition? People don't have a problem with labels. People have a problem with being mislabeled. That's the problem. And when you don't know what the actual definition of something is, then you think, oh, man, that's not me. I don't like labels. When really, in reality, you don't like being, being mislabeled. Man is a label. Woman is a label. 
Trans is a label. <laughs> Gay is a label. Straight is a label. So the thing is that you don't like to be mislabeled. That's the issue. And so when a lot of people go, oh, I don't like labels, it's like, no, 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 no. You don't like being mislabeled. Because when you're mislabeled, then that's when it gets offensive. That's when it gets irritating. So I think this is the thing that we need to do is we need to start learning the definitions of words and applying them accurately to describe certain things. Like you weren't gaslit, you were manipulated. Gaslit or gaslighting is a psychological term used for a particular type of, of, of action. You're not narcissist, you're just arrogant. Let's not use psychological terms to describe people who aren't diagnosed with that particular issue. I'm OCD. No, you're not. You're just very particular. You're just very anal. Stop using these words that are used for medical diagnosis and using it on yourself when you don't have a diagnosis. See what I mean? So the thing is that people mislabel themselves. Some people mislabel others. And then guess what? Then you got people going, I don't like labels when really you just like, you just don't like to be mislabeled. Because what do I call myself? Am I gay? Yes, that's an accurate label. Am I disabled? Yes, that's an accurate label. Am I living in poverty? You're damn right. That's an accurate label. But that's because I'm using it accurately. And so if I call myself a socialist, that's an accurate label. Because I am. Why don't I call myself a Marxist? Because I never picked up a book and read Marx yet. I'm planning on it but I haven't read it yet. So therefore I cannot call myself something that I have not studied yet. See what I mean? So that's the thing. And I think that's something that we really need to get through to our heads. And some of these labels that are used accurately are a way of us knowing something about a person without having to go through the entire process of asking all these questions. So by me saying I'm a socialist, you already know a couple things. Number one, you know that I think that workers should own their workplace and also be able to democratically choose what how their workplace is run. Number two, you also know that I'm anti-imperialist. Number three, you also know that I am anti-capitalist. So you already have these notions in your mind by the time me just saying one word, I'm socialist. You already know this. So there is an importance in labels, but the problem is we just cannot mislabel people. And in order to do that, you need to number one, find out more about the person and what they believe, their beliefs and their and their things that they don't believe. And number two, know the meanings and definition of the words that you ascribe to people more accurately. And then some people, when you do label them accurately, because they don't realize they don't have uh, self-reflection, then guess what they do? They don't want to attribute it to themselves. Biden is a fascist. But if you told him that to his face, he would deny it. But guess what? He is. 
There are certain people who are racist that don't think they're racist, but guess what they are? They're racists. But the thing is that they don't they don't have self-reflection on themselves. There are some men out there that are misogynistic. And they wouldn't say, they're like, oh, I'm not misogynist. Yes, you are, but you're just not self-reflecting. There are certain people that are like that. And that's some of the other issues, that some people just don't look inward. I am a disorgan I'm disorganized. Yes, <laughs> that's a descriptor. Guess what? Why? Because I self-reflect, and I know that. Anyway, that's a whole thing. No, I wouldn't get upset at you. Here's the thing. We make mistakes. We also have to give each other enough grace and deference in order to realize, well, that person's not, some people may not be all the way where you're at. And we have to give people deference and grace for that too. And then when we learn, then we try to apply what we learn. We readjust. And then once we do that, then great. We're there. And so then we can also, through our example, teach others. But getting mad at you is not really going to do me any good. It's not going to do you any good. Is that now you know, and just like they said in G.I. Joe back in the 80s, and knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe. <laughs> and the thing is, is that, look, I did it too. And I still do it from time to time. It's just we correct ourselves and we move on. That's a part of growth. And the thing is, is that if you're growing, guess what? It's all good. It's the people who cease to grow, the people who stop growing, who see people who refuse to grow. That's where the problem lies. You're growing. Baby, you're good with me. You're all good. You're my comrade. And you will always be my comrade as long as you continue to put forth and try to grow. I'm trying to do the same. I hope you hold me up to the same same standard. So it's all good. Jay Burke, thank you. Says I always keep in mind I'm not better than anybody, but by that very same token, I know no one is better than me, and we are all in the same in one sense. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> all right so now um why are these people coming into my rockfin chat and trying to get me to go to these websites god block anyway um so now here is my next story that i want to get into oh boy so, this is a news story that it, it, it's pretty sad, and I want to make sure that I cover this today because I have somebody that is disabled that is more privy. to the healthcare system, the sick care system, I should say, than some others. This is something that I think 
people need to realize. And we're at the beginning of 2023. It's January 3rd. So let's see this report really quick. Tonight, the CDC is warning of an alarming surge in diabetes in coming decades among Americans under the age of 20. Treating the disease with insulin can be very expensive. And in our series, Side Effects, Gotti Schwartz looks at why a cap on prices in the new year will still leave tens of millions behind. If you caught sight of brothers Owen and Thomas Gibson playing ball, chances are you'd never guess their pockets are constantly stocked with medical supplies. But as some of the one in 10 Americans with diabetes, just opening their family refrigerator is a constant reminder that life and insulin comes at a frustrating price. It's not like this is new, right? <clears throat> no, it's never changed. The patent was sold for $1 one century ago. And since then, nothing's really changed. It hasn't gotten better. It's just getting more expensive. As inflation rises, insulin prices in the U.S. remain by far the highest in the world. We are definitely seeing people living with diabetes ration their insulin more than they've ever been. And how dangerous is that? It's incredibly dangerous. I mean, it, it, you are dealing with people's lives. For years, some have chosen to head across the border to buy insulin in places like Mexico. Like this group we accompanied in 2019. But this year, there was hope that all that could finally change with the Inflation Reduction Act and talk of a nationwide cap on monthly insulin costs. When the legislation goes into effect in January, there will be a $35 a month limit on what patients pay out of pocket for insulin, but only for those with Medicare. The Gibson brothers are among an estimated more than 21 million being left behind. When you heard about the Inflation Reduction Act and then you found out that that relief seems to have an age to it, what went through your mind? I'm so angry. It's exhausting just getting your hopes up, thinking, wow, maybe now we'll see a change. I just feel like we're being completely taken advantage of. You know, we don't have other options on average. Um, in a year, we're over $20,000. You guys are over $20,000 in out-of-pocket expenses, and you're saying you're lucky because you guys have insurance. We're not the worst off. We have insurance. There are people who don't, and that's really scary because those people have to make hard decisions. Do we buy insulin or do we pay rent? But it doesn't always seem that far off. A constant fear shared by millions of other families dealing with diabetes every day. Gotti Schwartz, NBC News, San Diego. Tonight, the see. So, apparently, according to the, in the Inflation Reduction Act, people who do not receive Medicare or Medicare Part D particularly people who are seniors are the ones who receive this insulin cap. For people who do not have it, they either have to have private insurance or come out of pocket directly for their insulin. While it's good for people who are on Medicare, I'm happy because my mother has diabetes and now she'll have a cap on her insulin, which I'm glad because that will have, you know, save her. But what about the people who have type one diabetes? What about the younger people who are under the age of 65 who aren't 
under the label of disabled who have diabetes. What about them? Who have to get their insulin every month? What about them? It's crazy to think that a drug that was sold by the patent was sold for $1 because the scientists that invented it said this should be for everybody to save their lives. It was only sold for $1. And now these companies are making billions, billions of dollars off of it. Off of something that is life sustaining. This is one of the reasons why I say that we need to have a nationalized healthcare system. Health equals wealth. Health equals wealth. That's why I titled this video the way I did. Stolen health, stolen wealth. Same thing. Stolen health is your stolen wealth. And you're constantly having to slave in order to maintain something called your health. If you don't, you die. And so this is what I mean. Now your health is literally being stolen. And it should not be just limited to people who are over the age of 65. Why aren't people who also need insulin who are younger yet and younger age not able to get it? Because that's how they did an Inflation Reduction Act. They did it through budget reconciliation, right? In fact, let's talk about that. Let me share my screen. This headline is the Inflation Reduction Act caps costs for Medicare patients on insulin where the push for broader relief stands. This was at August of this year. Key points of Inflation Reduction Act caps monthly instant cost for Medicare beneficiaries. The change will be meaningful for senior patients who struggle with the cost of treatment, but it excludes other patients. So the new legislative package signed into law by President Joe Biden on Tuesday is a big one for Medicare patients who struggle to cover the cost of insulin to manage their diabetes. But the bill called the Inflation Reduction Act falls short of applying those cost controls to the broader patient population who rely on insulin. The bill limits insulin co-pays to $35 per month for a Medicare Part D beneficiary starting in 2023, which is now. Notably, seniors covered by Medicare also have a $2,000 annual out-of-pocket cap on Part D prescription drugs starting in 2025. Medicare will also now have the ability to negotiate the cost of certain prescription drugs.
but the changes fall short of the broader applicability to diabetes patients who are covered by private insurance. So Democrats pursued the Inflation Reduction Act through a process called budget Re reconciliation or a simple party majority. In that process, the Senate parliamentarian, remember the rotating villain people? Remember rotating villain? Senate parliamentarian ruled a unelected official ruled broader insulin reform for non-Medicare patients could not be included in the legislation. You don't mean to tell me. You mean to tell me that someone who is a non-elected position can rule and say, nah, you guys can't have it. Meanwhile, if they wanted to, if Kamala Harris wanted to, she could literally fire the parliamentarian or overrule the parliamentarian and then push it through and force it through. She could have did that. Hell, the Republicans did it. According to the rules, they could do it, but they didn't want to. And so they allowed the parliamentarian to call roughshod over the lives of people who are under the age of 65. Senate lawmakers then sought 60 votes in order to keep it in the bill, but they fell short with just 57 votes as 43 lawmakers opposed it. They have 57 votes. They only needed three more, and it would have passed. It would have been included for everybody. So the American Diabetes Association plans to continue to advocate for relief for more patients, including the Insulin Act, which calls for capping monthly insulin costs for a broader patient population. The high cost of insulin result in 14% of patients having catastrophic levels of spending on the treatment, according to recent research from Yale University, for Medicare patients on insulin, catastrophic spending affects one in five patients. One in five. So really, it's like, what else is new? And here's the funny part. You complain to Democratic politicians about it? But the parliamentarian, I'm sorry, the parliamentarian, they got in the way. Oh, no. Oh, no, the parliamentarian, we can't do anything if they block it. Oh, they're an 
insurmountable object upon him in Tyrion. Tell that to a 39 or 40 year old that dies because they had to ration your insulin. Tell that to them. Tell that to their family. But the parliamentarian My heart goes out to anybody that has to deal with diabetes, number one. Number two, my heart also goes out to people who are under the age of 65 that this will not help. Who don't have Medicare, my heart goes out to you. Because instead of getting relief, you have to deal with this. Let me. Mm-mm-mm. And I got more. I got more. But let's go to. Hen's teeth says, our health don't care systems is full of special exceptions that allow for a few people to get what they may need. That is also true. Uh, does RBN have a playlist that goes through all of Biden's wins that liberals left the spout? Uh, no, we don't. We don't have that. Uh, V.S. Adams says, why just Medicare? Because the, because number one, the government only has control over Medicare. Number two, if you make a law for insurance companies to cap their cost on their recipients to only $35, then that means more money that the insurance companies have to put out, which means that they're going to have, they're going to gripe about it. They don't want to put out more money. Their goal is to spend as least money as possible. So that's why it wasn't done for the insurance companies. There could have been a law that says, oh, all your insurance companies, any public, any, any uh, private insurance company also has to cap their insulin costs at $35 a month. They could have also put that in the bill, but guess what? They didn't because the insurance companies are in the pockets of politicians and they, the goal for them being in the pockets of the politicians is so that they won't spend more money. That's what it is. Raziel the Great says, I say just take some of that tax money this year and buy some healthcare stocks get a dividend check and let the insurance companies pay you. Unfortunately, people don't have enough money for that. Ilhan R says, my my brother died on Thanksgiving this year. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. My brother died on Thanksgiving this year from pancreatic cancer because he couldn't afford to have healthcare 
for most of his life, so they couldn't catch the cancer until it was too late. This is why we talk about what we talk about. You know how, and this is kind of going along with what, you know, and I'm very sorry about this happening to you, Ilhanar, my, my condolences to you. But I, I just want to take what you said and and, and you, you brought up a, a point for me. You know how when people say, oh man, men, y'all, they just don't go to the doctors like they should which we men, we just don't go to the doctor like we should. But you know why part of the reason why is? Because we don't want to spend that much money. Because it's expensive. So number one, we don't go to the doctor like we should because, well, we just don't. But another reason is because it's expensive. It's money. And we're like, we can't afford that. And so guess what? We just forego going to the doctor. And so then the only time we ever go to the doctor is when an emergency happens. And by the time it's an emergency, it's too late. Because no preventative care was done. No close monitoring. Technically, you're supposed to have a checkup every six months. You're supposed to go to your primary care doctor and get a checkup every six months. Get a physical, get your blood test, things like that. So you can catch things early because if you catch things early, then you can combat it and things won't happen to you. But because we can't afford it, guess what? Then it lingers for too long. And then guess what? You have an emergency on your hands and it may be too late. And that is the issue that we face in this nation. And again, I'm sorry, you know, to you, Ilhanar, that, oh my gosh. Creative Experiment says Chomsky said Biden is better than Trump, though, maybe for old people. Not even for old people. It's just for the people. It, it depends on the class of the old person because poor old people, Biden's not better for them. For rich old people, Biden's great. Yeah. V.S. Adams, you never heard of the Senate Parliamentarian before? That's by design. That's by design. You see, the thing is, is that there's, when they try to get a simple majority in order to vote for something to make something pass, then guess what? They can call for the Senate Parliamentarian in order to overrule things. And a Senate parliamentarian is a unelected official that can either go this or this for laws. Where's the democracy in that? By the way, the Senate parliamentarian can be either overruled or fired. And yet they allow the Senate parliamentarian to continuously do it to say yes or no to important things that actually help those of us who are the American people. And so you don't know about it until it's convenient for them to bring it up. 
why didn't you guys pass the bill? Oh, well, you know, uh, it's like you guys had the numbers. The cinnamon parliamentarian, they say we couldn't do it. Sorry. Meanwhile, the politics, I'm sorry, the, the, the capitalists that are putting money in their pockets are going, yes, yes, blame it on the parliamentarian. Here's a few dollars. Go ahead. So then we don't get things that we need as a people. The politicians get to keep their jobs because they're actually getting paid by the corporations and the and the billionaires and, and, the, and the ultra rich. And then they keep their seats. It's a money game, baby. That's what it is. Jen, mom. <laughs> Kamala Harris is busy hiding. Miss Kamala, do not come Harris. Jay Burke says the system is designed for us to suffer so the rich class never have to know what it is. True. Oh, boy. Sad. Very sad. Now, I have another article to read. And oh boy, oh wait, that's not what I want. Pay me what you owe me. But I have my money. Okay, you thought that I forget? All right, all right. This is going to be an interesting article. If y'all do not, oh, by the way, that last uh, video, shout out to Case Study QB. I forgot to shout him out. I'm sorry. Case Study QB, shout out to that video about the insulin prices. Thank you so much for that. But New York University Emergency Department prioritizes the wealthy for treatment. Interesting, right? This is yesterday. Eric Schreiber, great, great reading, says New York University's Ronald O. Perlman Center for Emergency Services prioritizes wealthy donors. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Politicians and celebrities for treatment at the expense of everyone else. According to an extensive investigation by the New York Times, dozens of doctors and other healthcare workers report that administrators pressured them to treat rich and influential patients immediately for minor complaints, thus forcing patients with potentially life-threatening conditions to wait for urgently needed care. Oh my goodness, these countries that have universal health care, you're put on a waiting list. You have to wait. Oh my God. Uh, 
You guys have to wait for for universal health care. <laughs> oh gosh. This practice, which is not unique to NYU, violates the principle of medical triage and the operation of emergency departments. Under this principle, the sickest patients receive treatment first, without regard for their ability to pay for care, and patients with less serious presentation—sorry, presentations—wait their terms, their turn. Sorry. More fundamentally, NYU's discriminatory practice illustrates that the provision of healthcare is dominated by social inequity and the profit system. It gives an example. It says when Kenneth G. Langon, a billionaire and founder of Home Depot, came to the NYU emergency department with stomach pain in September of 2021, he was quickly treated in a room that ostensibly is reserved for patients in critical condition. Langon is chair of the hospital's board of trustees and has donated hundreds of millions of dollars to NYU's hospital system. Langon's symptoms were associated with a bacterial infection. You want to get to the front of the line at the hospital? Ah, just be on the board of trustees, be a billionaire, and donate hundreds of millions of dollars to us, and we'll put you in front of the line because your life matters more than other people's. Your life matters more. You spent more money. You gave us more money. So guess what? Then you, you're, you know, you get put to the front of the line. Oh yeah, that person that's experiencing cardiac arrest. Oh, we don't need to. We don't need to focus on them. It, it, they're small potatoes. Oh, I'm sorry. You got an ingrown toenail. Oh, come here, you poor thing. Oh, thank you so much for that hundred million dollar check. Oh, man, is that a rash? Okay, we'll get that taken care of you real quick. Oh, you're over there suffering from, from kidney failure and you need dialysis? Ah, you sit right there. You wait your turn. America's the greatest country in the world. For whom? For whom? Please. Let's continue. Oops. I did not mean to do that. I took it away. Please don't go away from me. Okay. All right. Another example. In spring 2022, Democratic Senator Charles Schumer, Schumer, Chuck Schumer of New York brought his wife to the emergency department when she had a fever and was short of breath. Schumer and his wife were rushed into a room and tested for C-19. Meanwhile, sicker patients were being treated in the crowded emergency department's hallways. On occasion, a well-known actor with a headache and low-grade fever was placed at the front of the line for a CT scan, Dr. Rich Michelle Romero told the New York Times. 
when the actor demanded a spinal tap that Romero thought was unnecessary, a supervisor told her to perform it anyway. The test results were normal. The actor was treated ahead of patient from a nursing home who had possible sepsis and had been waiting three hours for treatment. Yo, in 2019, I almost went into septic shock. That is not fun. I almost went into septic shock. I was in the ER. Sorry, I was in the ICU. I think four days, three, four days in the ICU. They put a central line and an A line in me. And you mean to tell me you have an older gentleman that has possible sepsis? Wait, wait, wait. What does it say? Yeah, possible sepsis. And this actor had a headache and low-grade fever. Some Tylenol would would help that. He had headache and low-grade fever. You know what you do for that? You take some Tylenol. You want it a little stronger? Get some extra strength. Extra strength. Go buy your local 7-Eleven or Wawa and go and get it. You had a gentleman in there that was an older gentleman in a, from a nursing home who had possible sepsis, and he gets skipped? Are you kidding me right now? All because this person is rich and is a well-known actor. NYU's discriminatory treatment begins before the patient even arrives at the facility. This is telling. It says the emergency room has a trustee access line, a trustee access line that donors can call to notify the hospital that they're on the way. Once alerted, administrators notify doctors through texts and emails that a high-profile patient is coming. The doctors understand the implicity that they are to give the patient priority treatment. Moreover, they fear the professional consequences of not doing so. If you don't treat this person and pull them to the head of the line, you are fired. And you'll never work in this town again. If you don't put this person at the head of the line, even though their symptoms and their condition is less severe than other people who may be poor. Stolen health. Stolen health. This is exactly what it is. And a lot of times people will go, we need Medicare for all. I'm like, no, 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 no. We need Medicare for all is too weak. It's too weak. I'm sorry. I know people are like, we need Medicare for all. No, 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 no. We need further than that. We need a full nationalization of our healthcare system. Because even if we have Medicare for all, this will still happen. Even if we have Medicare for all, guess what? The people who also donate to these hospitals will still get preferential treatment. But if you take all that out, if they're just all nationalized, 
there's no need for these rich people to donate to these hospitals, to be all these board of trustees. So thereby, if there's no need for them to have all these donations go to the hospitals, guess what? They get treated just like everybody else. Because the profit motive is no longer there. There's no longer a profit incentive. So now you have people being pushed back to, to the back of the line who may be more severe, who are literally dying just because they actually want to treat somebody who's more richer, who may not need it as badly. Health is your wealth and it's being stolen from you. In the case, the message is somehow missed. The electronic medical charts, your medical charts, point out that certain patients have donated to the hospital or have a relationship with one of its executives. A screenshot of one record from July 2020 that a doctor shared with the Times read, quote, major trustee, please prioritize, end quote. Workers report that they have been pulled from sicker patients to attend to wealthy patients with minor complaints. So imagine that you are a tech or a nurse and you're tending to a patient who has a more serious condition and then they say, leave that person that's more sicker and go to this person that's more wealthy and tend to them instead. Is that fair? Is that fair? Is that just? Quote, it didn't matter how busy it was. A VIP was coming and we had to drop everything. Dr. Uche Blackstock told the Times. Blackstock left the NYU emergency room partially because of her objections to this discriminatory practice. And then this part talks about how they are, the ambulance is told to bring patients to Bellevue instead of NYU because they don't want to service anybody who is poor at NYU. So they take them to Bellevue, which, which actually services more poor people. Even if that person is closer to NYU. And it talks about these hospital executives getting millions in compensation. I'm going to uh, share the links for this article is also in the description. But for people to sit here and go, our healthcare system is better. That is 
that is absolutely people just don't have a grasp on reality. They don't. How in the hell are you going to treat this like it's a restaurant when you have some big name person come in? I used to work in a restaurant called NBA City back in the day when I was uh, in the industry. I was a line cook. And I remember when Dr. J came in. Dr. J came in to eat at the restaurant near closing time. And we were basically closed, right? And he wanted a milkshake. So I had to, even though my stuff was put away, I had to get back out and make a milkshake. Why? Because he was a VIP. Even though I was annoyed, okay, because I wanted to go home. But that's for a milkshake. We're not to apply the same metric to people when it comes to their health. That's basically equivalent of me going in there, about to go into septic shock, and then Dr. J coming in there with a headache and a low-grade fever, which you could take some Tylenol for, and then you guys are like, oh, no, no, we got to treat him first. What? Are you kidding me right now? And so when I say nationalize the entire healthcare system, I'm not just talking about making a single-payer healthcare. No, 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 baby. I'm talking about nationalizing the healthcare system, basically meaning you nationalize the hospitals, Clinics, medical device manufacturers, you nationalize the nursing homes, you national, hell, I'm for nationalizing gyms. Yup, yup. Rehab facilities, all that. Because here's the problem. These things are necessary for us. And if it's necessary for us, then guess what? That means we need to survive. And so these facilities are charging up the wazoo, even if it was single payer, they'd be charging our government up the wazoo for these same things. These medical device manufacturers charging like crazy for some of these things. These electric chairs, these wheelchairs. You have some of them that are charging up the wazoo for CPAP machines. They're charging you like crazy. The pharmaceutical companies charging you like crazy for insulin, like I just talked about earlier. So this is why I say nationalize it all. Because it should not be for profit. Because people are literally suffering. And hospitals do the same thing. And so now you got these board of trustees, you got these people on the hospital boards that want to prioritize the rich people over and ahead 
of people that are poor. Basically saying that because they have more money, because they may have exploited people more, they get more priority over you, even though you're more sicker. That's wild, man. That's wild. Let me go to the chat really quick. Creative Experiment says, we're getting shut down from money in the waiting room. Yeah. And yes, Jenna, this is very gross. Raziel says, you get shut down from money everywhere doing anything. Yes. Jay O'Towner says, Canada is offering patients euthanasia if their treatment is deemed too expensive. No, I'm not kidding. Yes, I actually saw articles on this. In Canada, they're saying, well, look, if your treatments are too expensive, then guess what? You can just die. We'll help you do that. They're willing to help you die if you can't afford it. Make that make sense. Why? Why are we allowing this... This is what I was talking about, that young lady that said in the beginning, this is political torture. There is no life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for everyone. It, there isn't. So for someone to say, oh, this is the freest country in the world. No, it's not. It's not. Raziel, wonderful point. You are not supposed to be poor. That is why the earth is abundant. You are poor because of someone else's greed. There's enough food to feed everybody abundantly on this nation. There's enough water to give everyone in this nation. We could literally end homelessness today. You know how much it costs to end homelessness? 20 billion. 20 billion. Elon bought Twitter for 44 billion. Elon could have ended homelessness twice. Twice. Ilhanar says billionaires live in heaven. Now, while we roast in hell on earth, they created religion and identity politics is the billionaire's tool of division. Bryce Smith says, how much crap do they need? to be making so much money. Jay Burke says we evolved as nomadic egalitarians. 
who did not value materialism. Nadia says type one diabetics deaths from being deprived of insulin aren't recorded in clear ways. That's sad. That is very sad. Eric, hey, good to see you, Eric. Says we can all have nice things and hi, good afternoon, yeah. Lee Lemon says billionaires can't help a para a parasite cannot help its host. It can only feed on it. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'll be getting out of here in a second, but I've got a uh got one more. Shout out to Indy Left, who's also in the channel on Rockfin. Love you too, Indy. Good to see you. Y'all subscribe to Indy Left. Indy Left, they are doing great things. They have some really great topics. I was actually on their show last Tuesday evening. Well, it, 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 it went live last Wednesday. But uh, I was with Reef and Colin. It was a really great conversation. So if you guys are not subscribed to Indy Left, they're they're almost to a thousand subs. Give them a sub. They're really great, by the way. So good to see you. So yeah, that's what's happening to a lot of people in this country is that they are they they forego people who are poor for the sake of the rich. And so I think this is why we talk about what we talk about to not only bring this to light, but to activate people. It is really, I'm here to activate your outrage because if you're outraged enough, then more people, you know, they go to action. And this means that we're closer, this much closer to a more egalitarian society. If the more people are outraged and they realize that they can take their outrage and they can use that outrage in order to change the system collectively. This is why I asked if you subscribed yet so that I can tell more people, we can inform more people. Have you liked the stream so that this gets out there more? Because some people just don't know this information. And then I also will have people, like, for instance, I had Eric on a few weeks ago to talk about different solutions. We'll have people on to talk about solutions. Well, I'll have on activists to talk about, you know, their activism and how you can get involved with them so that you can push more for these solutions. Because it's absolutely necessary. We cannot, this is unsustainable. They're literally killing us. And I beg you to at least help people become more informed. Share the stream. 
I'd like to give a thank you to everybody who is a patron on Patreon, a Patreon Coffee, all you members. Also, thank you for the super chats as well. That also helps me a lot. Thank you so much to all of you who are subscribed. And look, I, you know, I am grateful. This is going to be an even better year, and I can't wait to talk about more things uh, as this year goes along. Uh, and you guys have been just nothing but gracious and kind and compassionate, and I just really appreciate every single one of you. Uh, stay tuned. Later this week, I'll be getting into more of Dirty Chews by Michael Parenti, as well as getting more into the Asada autobiography from Asada Shakur. I'll be doing that as well. Look, I want you guys to water your plants. I want you guys to water yourselves. Leave the world better than you found it. Smoke them if you got them. Drink them if you got them. Enjoy yourself your new year. Try to be as positive. Have hope for the future because guess what? It's going to happen. It's a matter of time when these things happen. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And we're trying to get it to happen as soon as humanly possible. An egalitarian society that prioritizes people instead of profits. That's what's going to happen. It's just a matter of how fast we make it happen. Thank you to every single person. Mwah. Forehead kisses to you. Oh, gorgeous people. Look at you. Looking all fine and good. Double cheeked up on a Tuesday afternoon. I see you. Ah. Deuces. Bye. Go to RBN right now. Peace.